Hi, everyone. Welcome to Waste360's Nothing Wasted podcast. On every episode, we invite the most interesting people in waste, recycling, and organics to sit down with us and chat candidly about their thoughts, their work, this unique industry, and so much more. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. This is Liz Bothwell from Waste360 with John Hanselman, CEO of Vanguard Renewables. Welcome back, John, and thanks for being on the show again. Thanks, Liz. I'm delighted to be back. So I know you and I have chatted previously, but those who didn't hear that, Joe, could you just give us a quick overview of your background in the industry? Sure. So uh, Vanguard Renewables uh, was started almost, gosh, seven years ago. Uh, and we are food waste recyclers. Uh, we take organic materials to farm-based anaerobic digesters uh, all over New England currently, but we're also now building in five other states. Uh, so we are uh, taking that food waste um, that is unusable and uh, taking it from landfills and incineration, putting it into our large anaerobic digesters uh, where we convert, we, we remove the gas um, from the food waste that's, that's latent there and turn that into renewable natural gas or renewable electricity. Uh, and then we have a liquid byproduct, which is a low carbon fertilizer, which we give to our farm partners uh, to help their regenerative agriculture practices. So it's, it's been a really exciting time for us. Oh, it has. And, and I can't wait to hear more because I know the last time we spoke, it was pre-pandemic and we were blissfully unaware of what 2020 would bring. <laughs> so how has COVID-19 affected your business? It's been very interesting to try and deal with it. Um, the thing that is, is most surprising to us is uh, we've been able to really continue to move forward with expansion of, of lots of new anaerobic digesters, um, but almost more importantly, I'm bringing some really major um, players in both the food industry and the um, energy utilities business uh, into our partnerships and into our alliances and uh, being able to really move that the needle on uh, doing this at scale. Oh, that's great. And I, and I want to ask you about your new facility, but I know um, you're talking about the alliance and I'd love to hear more about that. Um, I read something about a farm powered strategic alliance. Can you dig into that a little bit? Yeah, it's it's probably one of the most exciting things that we did last year and something that, again, it's been years in the conceptual um, stage and, and then probably the last year and a half to get it uh, to formation. But what we did was to set out to find uh, a different pathway for Fortune 500 companies to decarbonize their manufacturing facilities uh, by using uh, food waste recycling. And so what we did is met with um, several large uh, food manufacturing businesses and showed them a pathway that we thought would, would really change their decarbonization strategy. If, as you know, every Fortune 500 company has set some type of target for uh, greenhouse gas reduction or, or renewables or, or climate um, impact reduction. And what we want to do is show them that there's a very, very simple pathway internally um, to get to those, some of those goals uh, and to do it through their reusing their organic waste 
um, and converting it to renewable energy, which we can then send back to them. So the alliance was formed uh, with the founding members, uh, Unilever, uh, Starbucks, the Dairy Farmers of America, and us um, to kind of start the organization, which we hope will become much, much larger. Um, and we have uh, several other um, entities that are looking to join as we speak. But the goal is to really show them that they could um, make a couple of simple changes on their internal um, waste stream management, um, and that would really convert to a, a huge impact on their own greenhouse gas uh, and climate issues and give them that uh, simple pathway um, to, to change what they're doing. Um, and the idea really with the Alliance is for them to make the commitment to send all their food waste um, to an anaerobic digester on a farm, um, to use that, that farm, to use that uh, for regenerative agriculture, returning those, those nutrients back to the soil, um, and then taking the gas that we've, we've removed from the food waste um, and using that in their manufacturing facility to decarbonize their operations. And, and that for us is, is something where if we can give them best practices, if we can show them how to do it, um, it then becomes uh, what we hope is viral. Um, and so that other companies, um, seeing that folks like Unilever and Starbucks and DFA have embraced this methodology, um, they understand that it's really not that scary and it's not that hard. Uh, and so the alliance is really there first as, as to create a commitment on behalf of the organizations, but then more importantly, to really create those best practices that we can then disseminate to the rest of the industry. Well, that's great to hear that you're working so closely with waste generators like that. Um, so they are actually, you're helping them formulate these plans. Is there a plan to document and, and capture data around this and, and just follow this whole path? A hundred percent, right. So the, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Our goal is to, we, we come in and, and work with the corporations um, and really do a waste and energy audit uh, up front to look at what um, the possibilities are and the potential for diverting that food waste uh, to a digester. Once we've kind of scoped and sized the opportunity, um, then uh, we'll have those digesters either in place or built to suit. Um, once we know what we, how large we need to make them and how many we have to build in any one cluster. And then the goal is to really um, create a, a wonderful feedback loop where we're monitoring the amount of greenhouse gas that we're capturing from their food waste. We're monitoring how much renewable natural gas they're using at the facility. Those two are extremely impactful for their scope one and two emissions um, that they're, you know, obviously everyone is trying to respond to. Um, in addition, if they bring in supply chain partners, um, which is already happening uh, with us, uh, with the Unilever teams, is we then can say, okay, great, now you've got scope three emission reduction too. So as all of those uh, scope one, two, and three emissions become more and more uh, of a premier concern as the ESG movement on Wall Street is, is gaining strength and folks are really being pushed to prove and to show that they've had real change and real reduction. Um, this is a really simple way to do it. Uh, and it's internal, not external. Um, so you can kind of show how you're doing it at your own plants. And I think that's, that's really powerful. That is powerful. It lets them have some control over this. That's fantastic. So, John, what ultimately is the goal beyond that? Do you want to expand into working with more waste sure. generators? Yeah, the, the, whole, 
the the whole idea for us uh, over the next five years is to is really broaden the alliance. Uh, we've already had utility partners who want to come in and be part of that virtuous circle. So getting that food waste to the digester, getting the gas back to the corporations, and to add other participants. So the our goal up front is to really focus in on the food industry and the utility industry because those are the two major actors. But but we've already um, we're already selling renewable natural gas to um, one uh, Middlebury College uh, in Vermont out of our digester there in, in Salisbury, Vermont. Um, and I think there are a lot of other entities that would like to be part of the virtuous circle. And, and obviously for us, uh, having a home for the gas is critical for our financing. So we're delighted to bring other people into the, into the equation. Um, and we see that uh, really almost any marketplace in the United States is, is appropriate and available for food waste recycling. So our, our goal obviously is to go across, or maybe not obviously, but our goal uh, clearly is to, to build anaerobic digesters on farms um, throughout the United States. Fantastic. And I know that you did just open a new organic recycling facility in Agawam. Can you talk about that? Yes. It, it's, it's, what we found is that uh, putting the burden on uh, decontaminating or separating or depackaging organic waste um, on the corporation is very hard. Uh, they've got more than enough that they're doing uh, on any given day and asking for more training and uh, more work on the back end of the plant uh, where you're really um, is kind of out of sight, out of mind. People really see waste as something that they, they want to put on the end of the loading dock and have it disappear. Um, we understood that and we've heard that loud and clear from so many of our partners uh, and so many potential partners. And so what we said is let's let's really embrace that understanding that that we want to take food waste, unusable food in any form that it comes, cans, uh, frozen, um, contaminated, pre-consumer, post-consumer, we, we don't care. Um, our goal is to get all of that into a digester on a farm and to get those nutrients back into the soil and get that gas um, back to someone who can use it to decarbonize their operation. And so we built what we think is, is really a state-of-the-art um, system uh, in Agawam, Massachusetts, is our first one, uh, and we're now building them both in a hub. And this would be a hub and spoke model. So, this depackaging facility will actually feed um, four of our digesters uh, in Massachusetts and Vermont. Um, and then, what we're looking to do in the future is continue that hub and spoke, but also to start building more and more of that depackaging capacity at the farm. Uh, so, it was an important first step for us to get one of these up and running. Um, it's quite a quite a joy uh, to go out to it. It's it's a brilliant system, um, and that seems self congratulatory. But uh, <laughs> we had a lot of external help in designing the system, uh, and uh, we're able to process any materials except glass. Um, that's our only prohibition. Wow, that's that's pretty special, though. How what type of volumes can it handle? So it is permitted for 250 tons a day. Um, we think we'll probably get to about 200. I think we're, we're probably not going to push it um, on two shifts. If we added a third shift, it would certainly uh, go to the 250 and then some. Uh, we've seen remarkable uptake already. Uh, that's, that's really one of the fun parts, which is uh, we have not done a lot of, of external outreach. And just with our existing portfolio of customers, 
um, we're we're about half full at this point, and that we just opened uh, and are still kind of burning the system in. So uh, it's been it's way ahead of projections, and something that we're we're delighted to see functioning. Definitely, and especially considering that you opened it during COVID, that's pretty amazing in itself. <laughs> Yeah, that was. We didn't intend to to uh, raise the degree of difficulty that high, uh, but um, you know, you kind of take what you get and what you're given. Um, so we we have had lots and lots of safety protocols. Uh, we've got a full set of um, best practices at the system to make sure that we're we're COVID safe. Um, but it is certainly added a a new wrinkle. Um, in some respects, we we've got some more feedstock because of COVID and in other respects we've we've got a lot less um, and it's it's funny how it just uh, different segments of the market are up and other segments of the market are down. Are you referring to like residential versus commercial? Exactly yeah and uh, you know all we built the system so we could handle post-consumer waste out of restaurants and casinos and uh, colleges and universities and that marketplace is almost evaporated um, but from the folks who are doing food manufacturing, we're seeing lots and lots of volume. And, and those, as those guys are trying to keep up with, with the retail demand, um, we see a lot of off-spec product and things that are, are losing temperature in transport or in waiting in, in the distribution centers. And that's the kind of stuff that, that comes to us quite frequently. Oh, wow, I bet. And then, John, can you describe the process of actually getting the food waste collecting it, and then the path it takes to get to energy for the grid? Sure. Um, so food waste comes to us now in virtually every form. So uh, it can come to us in a tanker directly from a factory. If someone is running a large-scale food process, we'll get uh, dairy waste, cheese waste, uh, any other. We've got uh, ice cream in in volume where it's the washout of the system. So if someone is cleaning out a system before they run a new flavor, um, that wash water and all of the excess product will come to us in tankers. Um, we also get roll-offs uh, in our system. So each farm is set up to accept uh, anything that can come to it that isn't contaminated. So the farms are limited um, today, and we're we're kind of building a lot more capacity in there to pull out contaminants. Um, but the farms mostly are taking clean materials. Um, so we'll take clean liquids, clean solids, um, and we can accept both. So we've got a, a strategies and, and mechanics of both so that we're able to take a roll-off, to take a compactor, to take a tanker uh, at any of the farms. If a product is contaminated, um, so it's in packaging, it's frozen, uh, it's in cans. Um, all of that goes to the packaging center and there, or what we call our organic recycling facility. Um, and it's really an organic transfer station. And what we do there is separate um, mechanically. We remove, uh, we, we squish and press the uh, organics materials out of the um, packaging or separate it from the contaminants, uh, if, it, if it's MSW or stuff like that. Uh, and then that material is stored at the site, um, put into tankers. Uh, we, we like to get it to kind of a semi-liquid kind of oatmeal-y form, um, and that gets sent up to uh, all the farms, where it's then put into large uh, million-gallon tanks 
which you can uh, lovingly think of as, as a million gallon stew pot. Uh, we raise the temperature up. Uh, we add manure from the farm in. Uh, the manure from the farm has wonderful, naturally occurring, um, the gut flora of the cow has these wonderful little bugs in it um, called methanogens. And those bugs uh, love food waste. They're, they're a lot like us. Um, they love fat oils and greases. They love sugar and carbohydrates. Um, they eat the food waste molecules and they emit methane. Um, we collect that methane in the headspace of these big tanks. Uh, we dry it and then uh, either use it to power a uh, renewable electricity generator so we can create renewable electricity on the site. Uh, we also then uh, dry it and inject it into the natural gas um, grid so that we can actually now return renewable natural gas uh, into the system. We then send those molecules uh, off to our customers like Middlebury College uh, or Unilever or Dairy Farmers of America. And um, they then get the wonderful benefit of negative, the, the incredibly cool thing about renewable natural gas, just as a little side, is that it's actually carbon negative. So solar and wind is, is carbon neutral, but because we're sequestering methane that would otherwise go into the atmosphere, we actually have carbon negative fuel, which is remarkable. Um, that's the first of its kind uh, in the renewables market. And so that does, um, it's a very powerful tool if you're looking to cut your, your carbon footprint at a, at a facility. Um, we then, uh, when we're done taking the gas out of the food waste uh, and the manure, we get this wonderful liquid fertilizer um, that's actually odor free, which is if anybody grew up next to a farm like I did, uh, our downwind neighbors are really excited about every digester we build. Uh, and you get this, it, it's also quite um, potent. Uh, it is organic. Uh, and so unlike the synthetic fertilizers that most of our farm partners have been using um, over the past generations, um, they now have an organic fertilizer. So those food nutrients that were extracted from the soil to, to make food are now being returned to the soil. Um, and that's, that's the core of regenerative agriculture. And that's something that Again, we didn't really understand how important and powerful that would be when we started the company, but it's something that has become really critical um, to our mission and something that's very, very important to all of our corporate partners um, because I think they're all looking to reconnect with American agriculture and the American farmer. And this is something where, again, it was unexpected and unanticipated how, how strong and important that product would be as part of the process, um, but it's been really exciting for us. And so we give that, that low-carbon fertilizer to our, our host farmers and all of his neighbors. Um, we also extract the um, dry solid material and give that back to the farm uh, for bedding for the animals uh, or for composting and, and also extremely effective for them. So lots of moving pieces. Um, you need a little scorecard to, to keep track of, of all the different um, critical interactions there, but it's, it's a really different model uh, for food manufacturers and uh, American farmers to work together to change the way that we've, we've been doing it. Instead of running kind of parallel, they now run in this wonderful um, circle. Absolutely. It's very cool to hear the whole process and um, the whole idea of um, the negative 
emissions is that's unbelievable. I mean, how can yeah. I'm thinking of ESG reports and and the way that it's very hard to kind of the way that they run the reports, it's hard to kind of gauge environmental services companies, right, in in the right way with the right numbers. And this is so new. How do you think that will be looked at sort of higher level? Yeah, it's it's very straightforward. The nice thing about this is we're counting molecules. Um, so this is, it's quite quantifiable. Um, and California, the California Air Resources Board has actually already built this thing called the GREET model, um, which I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but it really is how to grade and, and calculate the carbon the carbon negative impact of every molecule that goes through this system. And so it's, it's been, that's been years in the making. And so um, we're delighted to be able to, to just use that technology or that, that methodology. Um, and, and so we can make a very clear report. We know the tonnage of uh, food waste that's coming in. We know the energy content that's in the food waste. Uh, we know what our, our extraction values are. And so we're able to then report that back um, to any one of the contributors. And then if they're actually buying the renewable natural gas to offset their, their brown gas that they're using at the factory, that's also incredibly straightforward um, molecule counting. So it's, to your point, a lot of the ESG stuff has been pretty fuzzy. Um, and I think Wall Street is pushing very hard. We hear this every day from all of our alliance partners and our future alliance partners um, that they need something concrete to be able to report that they're doing differently. And, and food waste recycling is so simple and easy to kind of show the, the efficacy of the model. Um, it's pretty neat. That is, that's great. And then, like you said, there are a ton of moving pieces and um, that whole side benefit of, of really working for the farmers is great. I mean, are you seeing more buy-in across the board since the last time we spoke? For the work that you're yeah. doing, you know, whether it's haulers or residents or even the farmers themselves. So farmers are, I mean, one of the greatest things about my job is I get to talk to farmers every day. And um, farmers want to be, I, I've never met one who didn't want to be a better steward of the land. They understand climate change in their gut because they see it every day in their harvest. They see the changing of the seasons. They see how so many of the things that were predictable for their for their parents and their grandparents aren't predictable now. And so the buy-in there is, is immediate. I think the challenge for us seven years ago when we started was that a lot of, of the farm community um, had had either no experience or negative experience with some of the old agricultural digesters that were around in the, the 80s and 90s. Um, and those weren't particularly effective and, and actually were pretty hard and required the farmer to do all the work. What we did is created a very different model. It's a very tech-heavy model. We've got you know bells and whistles, lots and lots of monitors. And we, but what most importantly we did is we took back the management of those facilities. So that we said, this isn't going to require you uh, as a farmer to add another chore onto your day. Let us manage the systems. We'll put people on site. We've got you know all sorts of uh, networked. Uh, alarms and monitors and bells back to the home office um, that make it so that there is low touch from the, our farm partners, and I think they've really appreciated that. And it's um, the word the word gets out quickly. If you if you do something good in the farm community or bad in the farm community, uh, it's it's very easily um, disseminated. So uh, we we work really hard to be a good partner with all of our farmers, and I think they've they've appreciated it and 
that's allowed us to grow exponentially. Oh, I bet. And then I know at the top level, there's going to be a change um, in the administration. Do you think with that change that anything will be done in terms of investment in the environment and, and more buy-in and the work that you do? We're, we're certainly hopeful. I, I think the, our system is so straightforward and something that I think because of, of the thought back in the day that it was a pretty small contributor to the greenhouse gas problem, uh, we, we got overlooked a lot. Um, but I think that as we have, we've changed our conversion technologies, we've gotten more and more effective. Um, the thought in the U.S. is that there's something like 10 to 15% of the total natural gas usage in the entire U.S. could be from renewable natural gas from food waste. Um, that's, or from organic matter, sorry. Oh, that's food waste and, and manure. Um, that's, I think, even a conservative number. Um, and, and yet, that's a real massive impact. If, if you think about the fact that it's 10 to 15% of the natural gas, but in fact, it's also carbon negative, um, it's a multiplier effect. So there's, we can really knock a whole lot of that, that carbon intensity out of the natural gas system. And the natural gas system isn't going away. I mean, people have often said, you know, we can electrify the United States. Well, 60% of all the electricity in the U.S., and I, I may be misstating the number, but I think that's close, um, is created by natural gas. Um, and so, uh, and of course, the thermal, if you're trying to heat your home or heat uh, water for a, a manufacturing facility, um, most of that is done with natural gas. And so uh, decarbonization has to have both electrification and renewable natural gas as, as two different um, of legs on the stool. So are you watching your neighbors, well, sort of neighbors in New Jersey? There's so much going on there in, in terms of environmental policies and especially around food waste. And I, I, once, once I read about the food waste law that's pretty aggressive, I was thinking that perhaps um, they would contact you because they're in need of much infrastructure. And um, last time we spoke, we were talking about how this model could really work anywhere. Yeah, so we are we're down in New Jersey now, uh, and we are working with the state and with some municipalities uh, looking to site infrastructure to help them. They've, made, they've set a very aggressive goal, which is fantastic. And um, but they need the infrastructure, and it's it's kind of a chicken and the egg. And we saw this here in Massachusetts uh, and in Vermont when they both set very very aggressive goals uh, for food waste recycling. Um, but then really we're, we're looking for the private sector to do all of the infrastructure development. Um, good news is since we've already done it several times before, um, it's really straightforward. So. At the moment, we're out looking for locations uh, for decarbonization uh, for for depackaging facilities. We're looking for farms, um, and that really runs to the entire East Coast now. We see that that with um, if you're if we're fortunate, we've got states like New Jersey and Massachusetts and and uh, municipalities like New York that are pushing for food waste recycling in other communities. Um, I think we're able to pull through that food waste by showing the efficacy of the of the decarbonization strategy. Um, so it's kind of a two prong effort, but you know we're we're in, we see this as as really a U.S. opportunity, not just a, a market by market opportunity. 
That's great. Well, and like you said, I mean, this model really would work well anywhere. Um, so it does. That's not always the case. So that's fantastic. <laughs> no. And then I also read that Vanguard Renewables received the 2020 Energy Vision Leadership Award. That sounds pretty awesome. Tell me about that. We, we did. We were we were so um, proud. Uh, we we got a, a, a wonderful. Um, a note from the folks at Energy Vision, who we've known for a long time. Um, they're an advocacy group that is is working for renewable natural gas inclusion uh, in in America's decarbonization strategy. Uh, they chose the um, city of Seattle and us, so we're we're kind of imagining. Actually, I'm sorry. Also, the I think the New York um, Mass Transit Authority, the MTA. Uh, so the we, we figure we're in pretty good company, uh, and and <laughs> we're the little guys, uh, you know, SeaTac um, Airport and the MTA, who all have done phenomenal things with natural gas vehicles uh, and renewable natural gas vehicles uh, for the SeaTac Airport and for the City of New York. Um, and I guess they looked at us as on the supply side um, as somebody who's really doing something different, and um, we were fortunate enough to. To get the recognition and 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 get the award, we were just sad that we couldn't have a big uh, gala night out uh, for, <laughs> because of the COVID. But we'll make up for it next year. Right, exactly. Lots of that is on hold, and I, I think it, these are going to be the best celebrations ever. <laughs> oh, watch out! It could it could be a really really messy uh, series of evenings. We have to make up for an entire year of of uh, sitting in your living room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. So tell me, what, what's on the horizon for Vanguard um, besides really expanding throughout the entire U.S.? Yeah, it's, it's really going to be exciting several years for us. So it's, it's, uh, we're, we're now on, on two tracks. Uh, one is to try and capture uh, the manure, large-scale manure operations. Um, to work with our, our partnership with Dominion Energy um, and then to really capture food waste uh, through the Farm Powered Strategic Alliance. So we've got, we've got a lot on our plate, um, but we're, we kind of see uh, that the time is now and it's important to take advantage of, of that opportunity. And as folks who've been working to get the bugs out of the system over the last seven years, I think we think the timing is, is really um, remarkably good. Oh, it is. And you have proof of concept. You have more buy-in. It just seems like all the stars are aligned for a really great future. Yeah, we just need to get rid of this damn pandemic and then we're all good. Right, exactly. Fingers crossed. We have to have a brighter 21. Oh, please. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and then, John, before I let you go, did you want to share anything else um, about the Farm Powered Strategic Alliance or, or anything else that we didn't get in? No, I think we, we've done a really good job. I think it's, 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 you know, for us, we just think that creating a new model for organic recycling um, is something that, that a, the time is right. And I think America is going to embrace and, and our, our, our proof is, is, I think, in the pudding with our good friends at, at Unilever and Starbucks and Dairy Farms America. They're kind of leading the charge. And uh, we think it's, it's a wonderful call to action for a lot of other uh, Fortune 500s to jump on board. Definitely, and you have to promise to keep us posted as as you start rolling out results, and um, so we can share those and and let the world know how well it's going. Guaranteed, we are not shy. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> 
Oh, well, John, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me again. And um, here's to a brighter 21. And I hope to chat with you (laughs) soon. (laughs) I I look forward to a glass of champagne somewhere outside of my living room. Yes, uh, I'm with you. (laughs) Well, I'll see you there. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, John. Excellent. Thanks so much. 